0: Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis and the pastor here. And whether you are engaging with us online or live here in Charlotte, North Carolina, really glad to engage back with you. This is actually the 5th Sunday in this series. What in the world? It's a series that started in the nooks and crannies of our own homes and then went all around the globe and it's kind of going to end up in a couple of weeks sort of uh, in a lot of ways exactly where it began. Today it's called Worlds Apart. And so if you have your Bible with you, this happens to be one of those messages. The majority of the messages really dig deep into one passage of scripture. This happens to jump around just a little bit. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate in your Bible the book of Exodus chapter 12, and you might want to keep a finger there and also over in Revelation, the other end of the Bible, uh, chapter 5 and chapter 7. If your Bible's not here and you're like, well, what am I going to do? The words are going to be up on the screen as they are when we gather at just the right time. We at at Good Shepherds, you may not know this, but we love it for you to have your own eyeball encounter with the scripture because a couple of things that we believe about the Bible that we found really important to Continue to remind ourselves of and one of those is this looks like a book, but it is not a book It's a library Written by a lot of authors over a long long span of time many different writing styles for example the book of Exodus Uh, describes events happening 1500 BC or more ago. It's in the history section, the book of Revelation at the other end of the Bible. It it describes some of what's in the future, a lot of what's right now even, and it's in the kind of writing style called visions. And and, uh, so different kind of writing styles, different authors, one God. And we at this church, we love it. We don't worship the Bible, but we love the Bible because we believe that loving the Bible helps us to adore the Savior to whom the Bible points, amen? And and out of that love, we have a custom that we do. When we talk about the Bible here, we lift it up. And if you haven't been here before and you're seeing phones and Bibles in the air and you're just thinking that's unusual, we admit it, we don't try to deny it, it is strange. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we are a collection of people and we don't have life figured out, but we know who does. And because we know he does, we're, we're glad to submit to the authority of his word. Amen. And before I say anything else, let's pray. So God, thank you. Your word is good. And, 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 I, and I ask father that uh, you would just break through any kind of resistance or skepticism or even woundedness that we have when it comes to your word, and you would allow us to experience it in all of its beauty and all of its power. And Lord, I thank you that I have this honor of acknowledging I am powerless without you, but because of you, I'm not helpless. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we uh, start this message today, Worlds Apart, I, I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about blood. But, but I promise it won't be bloody. Isn't that great? I'm going to talk about blood. But I refuse to be blood E because I suspect that a good number of you, you check your blood pressure and, and others of you, you know, your blood, something's really rare among you, you submit to blood work and, and maybe even a few of you, you actually know your blood type. But even if you keep close eye on your blood pressure and you know your blood type, I bet you don't know these blood facts that I'm fixing to throw your way. Like, did you know that every 120 days, all of your blood cells in your body that you got going through you right now, all of them die and get replenished? Every, that, that means three times a year you get born again, just with your blood. Or did you know that 45% of your blood is not liquid? And that's the part that if you don't pay attention to it, it turns into plaque. And like if the 45% becomes 80%, then we'll have a whole nother conversation. But maybe, you may have known those couple of facts, but, but I bet you didn't know this one because it is the best one that right now, no exceptions. Every one of you within the sound of my voice flowing within your blood, there is 0.2 milliliters of gold. All of you, have gold tell me that's not good news and that wasn't worth coming to church this morning you got gold plated blood inside you right now ron dozier mentioned about the merge class if you're seriously dating or engaged or whatever so if you're still single what a pickup line hey baby i got some liquid gold flowing in me right now so yeah all all that blood facts that i'm throwing your way but there's something else about blood that, that brings us to this topic that we're talking about, because you're, you're, you're fair to ask that, well, Talbot, thank you for getting me ready for the MCAT exam for med school, or, or thank you for helping me with my BSN in nursing, but what in the world does all that stuff you just told us have to do with what in the world? What in the world does does what you just poured out, how does it connect to this message series, to the Bible, to the gospel? And what does it have to do with any of it? And the answer to that question is everything. Because the same blood that that you have within you that you now know is liquid gold, that same blood also carries everything about you. It carries your DNA within you. It determines your coloring and your appearance and your skin tone. Like my blood flowing inside me, it's what makes me white. You're like, no had no idea you're white and the blood flowing inside my wife julie is what makes her latina it's what makes some of you black it's what makes others of you Asian, and it's what makes a lot of you some glorious combination of all of the above. In, in fact, you could say that the blood inside, the, the blood inside and the DNA that it carries in, in the history of our globe, it has done so much, has it not, to divide us, to tribalize us, to turn us into worlds apart. And a lot of you know the sordid story of that in the United States, but lest you think that, that we in the United States, we have a corner on that particular market of, of, of letting the blood inside tear us apart. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a global phenomenon. Ask, go to Australia and, and ask the indigenous people there what it was like what, what it was like when the colonizer showed up and based on the blood inside, how differently they treated them. Ask, even ask me on those times that I've been to India, which is a lot of times been to India with our partnership there and, and, and with my pale skin gone into villages where there had been no pale skin before. And I had heard the questions and I had seen the suspicion and I had wondered if everything was okay. And it's all because that we have used that blood that is inside to divide the world into us and to them and into me and to you. And some of you have been on both ends of that equation. You've been the us. You felt like the them. You've been the me. And you've not welcomed the the you. you. You could say that the blood inside us, although it is miraculous, what people have done with it has been absolutely murderous. And because of that, I can't wait to share with you this pattern that runs in both halves of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. And it is a pattern in which the pattern itself is the point. Like we're supposed to notice it, supposed to leap off the page and and, and we're supposed to say, ah, that just the very existence of that pattern is what the Lord is trying to communicate with me. It starts in the book of Exodus, ancient, ancient history. So if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 12 and verse seven, and this is where the Lord, these, again, these events are 1500 BC or more, and the Lord is giving instructions to Moses so that Moses will give the same instructions to the Jewish people, his, the people he is leading. And what he says in verse seven, they then, they, meaning the children of Israel, they're to take some of the blood, this is after telling them to have lamb chop for dinner, some of the blood, and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. That's how I knew they had lamb chops for dinner, where they eat the lamb. Verse 13, same chapter. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And you're like, well, that's weird. What's going on there? See, the, the Lord is, is speaking. To Moses. The the children of Israel are under slavery in Egypt. The Lord is trying to arrange their departure, their freedom. There's been this escalating series of plague that reaches its apex with the plague of the firstborn. That's how he's trying to get through to Egyptian leadership to get them to let his people go. And and yet in this act of extraordinary kindness, God says to the Jewish people, hey, if you have lamb for your meal, if you sacrifice a lamb, if you put blood on your doorpost, instead of inflicting your homes with this plague of the firstborn, I will pass over that and your people will be preserved. And it is this act of extraordinary kindness, not based on the good nature of the Jews themselves, but the great character of the God who calls them. And you're like, well, what did they do to, be, to deserve being the chosen people of God? Nothing. That's the way it is with God. He just chooses that love and, and as you may know this in command that he gave them they followed the command, it happened as the promise was given that the blood applied to the doorpost meant that their houses were skipped over and that's the origin of what you may have heard of from your Jewish friends and brothers and sisters, the origin of the Passover celebration that happens every spring and, and, and in fact some, and, and, and Jews still celebrate the Passover, not very many of them still put uh, blood on their doorposts because whether you're Jew or Gentile, that is bad for resale value. Nobody does that anymore. But some of you, some of you may have even taken part in a Seder meal. And that's what a Seder meal is, where they ask, what makes this night different from all the others? And it's that God passed over them. The blood applied to that people marked them as God's unique Possession. Well, you fast forward to the very end of the biblical library, the book of Revelation, and look what it says in chapter 5 and verse 9. As John, the revelator, he gives this vision of of what's going on in glory. And they sang, they, meaning the multitudes of souls surrounding the throne. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy of, they singing it to Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your what? Blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then the same idea is in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. After this, I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and every tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And I, and I love it. It's not a lamb anymore. It's not, oh, I'll go find a lamb and sacrifice it. It's the lamb. It's Jesus. But do you see the common thread that is running through it, the common thread from the Old Testament people in the book of Exodus to the New Testament people in the book of Revelation, the common bond, the common identifier is blood, not bloody, but it is blood. And it's very tempting to, to if you know anything about the book of Revelation, very tempting to say, ah, th- that's a picture of what's going to happen at the end of time. And no, 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 no. Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 are giving us a picture of what is happening right now. That right now as we are gathered in this place, somehow in a realm beyond our comprehension, there are gathered souls from every land and every tribe and every tongue. People, people who have allowed themselves, surrendered themselves to be bought by Jesus' blood. And it's no longer just a chosen people. Not just a small wandering tribe in the ancient Middle East, that small tribe of, of the chosen people has become everybody. And do you realize what this what this means? That any time a church, like I don't know, ours, that it gathers people of all different coloring people whose dna inside makes them look different and sound different and they were born in different places and any time that a church gather those gathers those kind of people to worship together we get to do in history what we will be doing for eternity and every church gathering is a dress rehearsal for heaven and that's what we get to do and that's who we get to be but if you stop there You sell it short. Because what I want you to know this morning, good shepherd, is that what is going on in this thread, this unbroken thread from the book of Exodus to the book of Revelation, connected by blood, is that when the blood inside tears us apart, Jesus comes along with a very different idea. That he wants to gather people, not just from one tribe, but from all tribes. People who have the self-awareness, people who have the spiritual humility, people who have the understanding to acknowledge, I am such a mess, I need a Messiah, and I'm so loved, I got a Savior. And he wants people to gather people who will acknowledge, I'm so broken, somebody had to die for me, and thank God it was Jesus. And in the same way, that the Lord took that blood and applied it to those doorposts and passed over them. Now he takes that same blood and he applies it to your soul and to your body and your soul and your body. And that blood applied, good shepherd, here's what I want you to know. The blood applied brings together that which the blood inside had torn apart. That that's, the, that's what happens on the cross. That what's ha- that's what happens when you acknowledge, man... If it wasn't for Jesus and what he did on the cross, and, and, and this might, might seem gross, what he did on the cross and how his blood had to be shed for me to forgive my sin, if that hadn't happened, I would have eternity apart from God, and another name for eternity apart from God is hell. Hell. And so God in his goodness gathers together all these people who realize I can't work my way to heaven. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. I can only be bought by Jesus's blood. And that's how I am purchased into heaven. And so the blood that Jesus applied brings together that which the blood inside had previously torn apart. That's what in the world God is doing. Because I want you to know that, that when we think about all the ways that the blood inside has torn the world apart, all the ways that colors and cultures and races have been torn apart, the, the church is not part of the answer. The church is the answer. And I say that because every other partial answer is doomed to failure because it is built on a human foundation. And when you think of anything that's built on a human foundation, I don't know if you know this or not, we are experts at messing up that's which we have built. And when we come up with our own plan, our own dreams for how everybody will get along... It's doomed to failure. It is only the blood, only the precious. If you have gold plated blood, imagine how perfect and valuable and priceless Jesus' blood is. The blood applied brings together what the blood inside has torn apart. Now, do not hear what I am not saying. Know this, diversity is not our strength. Whoa, whoa. I heard on TV that diversity was our strength. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's in my company break room. Diversity is in our strength. Whoa, it's in school. Diversity is our strength. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I even saw it in a church. Diversity is our strength. No, it's not. Diversity is not our strength. Our savior is our strength. And if you look to a false source, a human creation of your strength for your life, or even our life as a community, it is bound to failure. Our savior is our strength because his is the only blood that is perfect. His is the only blood that can bring back together what the world in all of its murderous rage has torn apart. Yeah, the blood inside, it it tears people apart. The blood Applied, brings them together. He's, he's our strength. <laughs> Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through diversity, which no, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and you know when when you, when you get this and when you understand this, it, it has so much power to save you from all the isms. You know, we got isms, don't we? We got racism and we got sexism and classism and ageism. It's funny how you get a little bit older and you become very sensitive to age-ism. <laughs> and, and, and all that is fine, but this understanding the blood applied saves us from the most lethal-ism of them all. You know what that is? Me-ism. That's what we need cure. The me-ism. And me-ism is when you think, man, I'm good. I got it going on. And if everybody else in the world was just a little bit more like me, then we would be doing all right. I used to to think that. Man, this church would be good if if everybody's just a little bit more like me. And then then like five years ago, I I was like, man, if everybody's more like me, this church would be so weird. (laughs) And, and what the blood applied delivers you from is thinking that you're all that. No, you're not all that. You're so messed up, you need a Messiah. You're so loved, a Savior is who you got. I guess I have to ask you, have you acknowledged? Have you understood, admitted the level of your messed upness? Are you still thinking that you can work your way to heaven because you're pretty good and you're better than and you're gonna make it and how could God not? No, 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 no. It's blood, it's Jesus's blood only that pays the price for your sin problem and my sin problem. And if that sounds old fashioned, so be it. It may be old, but it is still true. But you know what else? <laughs> Diversity, not only is it not our strength, it's it's not our cause. Diversity is only the result of the cause. See, I've, I've been in organizations, even been in, in churches, I think where it got mixed around and diversity was, was the only cause. But again, when diversity is the only cause, it's built on a human flimsy foundation It is doomed to failure. Diversity is not our cause. It's the result of the cause. The cause remains Jesus. Jesus risen, Jesus reigning, Jesus returning. He's the cause. And as he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And what do you know? It actually works. That when you lift up Jesus and when you exalt his name and when you understand we are here only by the grace of and only for the purpose for Jesus himself. Hello. Oh, he brings his friends with him. And his friends look like every tribe, and every tongue, and every color, and every language. And so if you're, if you're sort of buying, yeah. Tabitha when you, when you said every Sunday gathering is a dress rehearsal for heaven, and that sounds pretty good. I, I, I want that. If you joined us even last week, if you didn't, I'm so glad you're here today. But last Sunday... Again, you may not know this to your left and my right. We have a Spanish good shepherd, Espanol is worshiping in our living room and same message that I'm giving today, just in Espanol instead of in Inglés. I'm good shepherd Inglés. And, and, and last Sunday, we all worshiped together in this space. And then Sunday night, we came back. Some of you were here. And Sunday night, we had a Feast of Nations. I think we have a picture of the Feast of Nations. And we had over 300 people and representing over 35 countries with cuisine from all over the world. And, and it was it, we looked like the UN last Sunday night, except we all got along. And so... <laughs> So is the UN only a whole lot better and, and just all kinds of new countries? And we're Mark, first Sunday in August 2024, 20, we're gonna do it again. Every every year we're gonna do it again. And and, and 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 so you you yeah, that's cool. And and you may not know this, but 20 years ago, that would not have been possible. Because if we had had a feast of the nations twenty years ago, okay, okay, you're from Kentucky and I'm from Texas, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was white, 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 white. And, and God, God has done just a phenomenal thing because diversity has never been the cause. Jesus has always been the cause. But if you're wondering, well, well how, can, how can we live this out even better? How, how can how far we have come show us how far we need to go? Just a couple of practical suggestions, which are always better than impractical ones, by the way, but practical suggestion uh, first, and you, you can jot this down is you, you will, you will need to kind of submit your preferences because whatever you look like, wherever you come from you in, in church life, you have preferences about the vibe and about the structure and about the music and about how long a message needs to last. And, and, and if, if we're going to be a, a, if we're going to be revelation chapter seven, verse nine in real time, everybody submits their preferences for the sake of the larger whole. And second, Practical suggestion as we continue to live into this gift that God has given us. Don't, and this is especially if you're in the majority, don't ask the why question. Why questions, even when you mean them innocently, are naturally confrontational. Like, why do you dress that way? Why do you eat that? Why did you come here? Is naturally confrontational, even if you don't intend to confront. What questions are so much better? What, what does that cuisine say about the country that you're from? What 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 does that particular outfit say about the family you grew up in? What do you miss most about the land of your origin? So you dispense with the why, and you emphasize the what, and God will continue to do this miraculous thing where he honors us because diversity has not been our cause. It's only been the result of the much larger, much greater cause because we know the blood of Jesus applied to your sin, your sin, and your sin, and my sin. Brings together what the blood inside, It's torn apart. Maybe you've heard of that that guy who uh, a number of years ago was interviewed in the old Reader's Digest magazine. You remember Reader's? You remember magazines? (laughs) And he was interviewed in Reader's Digest because over the course of his lifetime, he had donated 100 pints of blood. Remarkably generous. 100 pints of blood. He Given away, And so the Reader's Digest reporter asked him, well, sir, what does donating all that blood mean for your legacy? And, and the guy said, well, when I die and I meet St. Peter at the gate and I tell him I gave away 100 pints of blood, that ought to be enough to get me in. People, he's trusting the wrong blood. It's only the priceless, perfect blood of Jesus applied to you and applied to me that can bring together what the world has torn apart on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you that by your grace we are blood-bought people and i pray that if if there are any within the sound of my voice who resist that or question it father that you would just love them into your arms this morning by making them aware of the depth of your sacrifice on their behalf in jesus name we pray amen